I'm Reverend J. Stewart Glover, and you are listening to Faith Talk. Today, my guest is Matt Klein. And Matt is the founder and director of Restored Ministries, which has a very specific focus. And Matt, I would invite you now to, to just share with us a little bit about yourself and your ministry. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dave. Well, yeah, I get to lead Restored Ministries, and uh, I lead it from up here in Canada in the Great White North, but we we work with people all over the world, and with what Restored is, is helping people with all forms of sexual brokenness, sexual trauma, sexual sin. So there's pornography, there's infidelity, there's uh, lots of lots of people, unfortunately, have been sexually abused or violated in some way, and, and we get to work with them through that healing process, no matter what they've experienced. Um, and so it's it's a it's a great work, and I really love it because we get to work with people in in, in oftentimes it's their darkest areas and see the Lord work and see see people get healed um, in in transformative ways. And so it's pretty fun. And uh, and personally, I'm married and have a couple boys, and and uh, we're just loving life. They're young right now, so we're enjoying the toddler stage. Mm-hmm. Well, again, thank you for coming. Um... I'd like to give a little attention to um, the person who has never healed from a damaging sexual abuse, perhaps as a, as a young person or even as a, a young adult or, or an adult. Um, what, are, what are some of some of the ways in which you sit with somebody and accompany them along their path towards restoration? Yeah. Well, the first thing that that people have to realize is that it, it really impacts them often in greater ways than than what they've acknowledged. And in order to heal from something, we've got to know where we're wounded and where we're where we're hurting. Um, in order to forgive someone for doing something to us, we have to know what they did to us. And so, when there is this abuse uh, or violation um, that someone has done to us. There's the, the way that our brain works is, is we suppress things, and 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 in, in certain times, especially growing up, we we almost have to do that in order to, to survive. It's a defense mechanism where we don't think about this every day, or, or sometimes people don't even remember what happened to them. Mm-hmm. But through various means, I mean, sometimes God gives people dreams. Sometimes it's just the memory flashes in their in their mind's eye. Uh, but there's different things that happen. And, and and once people can start to acknowledge the way that they were impacted, and not just what happened to them, that's the starting point, but also how did it impact them? How did it change their their life, who they were as a person in their own eyes, um, their self-worth, the beliefs about themselves, or the beliefs about God or, or other people? When you can look at not just what happened, but also what that how that impacted you, then you can start to heal from there. So there, there was one story I remember where this this man was talking about the sexual interference that he had as a young guy. And and I just stopped in mid-sentence and I said, why do you call it interference? And he said, well, I, I don't want to say the word abuse because the person who did it to me who didn't do it with malicious intent, trying to hurt me. They were just after, after their own selfish pleasure. And, and I said, right, that is that might be true, but they hurt you. They did hurt you, and that is what happened. And 
he started calling it abuse and it led to this really incredible um, revelation of healing and all of the ways that that the abuse had impacted him in his adult years and and he worked through lots of different things but one of those things was forgiveness towards this person for the abuse not just the interference but for the abuse that this person put into his life and shortly after he forgave this person this person called him out of the blue and said hey i just want to apologize for the abuse that i or, or for sexually abusing you when you were young and so it was really a, a full circle moment of healing for this guy when he had first recognized the fullness of what happened to him and then he went through healing and then the person actually acknowledged that yes it was abuse and so that's often a really good starting point for people to to see the fullness of what happened because we want to minimize and often we want to maybe even think like ah oh, that didn't affect me i'm strong enough to handle things and we really have to be real with with what happened Mm-hmm. So what, what, after um, naming the actual uh, abuse for what it is or what it was, um, what, what have you noticed are some of the um, behaviors that people turn to that are perhaps still holding on to um, being yeah. you know, a lack of freedom when it comes as a result of this um, traumatizing experience? What are some of the behaviors that people turn to? Sure. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a there's a laundry list of them for sure. But one thing that that we've seen as as a consistent response um, is, and I'll speak initially to to sexual behavior, mm-hmm. is that when somebody is abused, say it's the same sex scenario, like a, a man abused a man or a woman abused a woman, mm-hmm. um, there's often one of two responses. There's there's, um, say a man was abused by a man, they'll, they'll either have these same-sex attractions in their minds, they're going to look up gay pornography, they're going to pursue gay relationships, and it's because they've kind of thought like, well, okay, I have this pleasure from this experience, it marks them in a certain way, and the early sexual experiences that we have, no matter what they are, abuse or otherwise, they really impact us. And so. We, we, some people start to um, kind of repeat the behavior of the abuse. Right. But there's also the opposite effect, where some people are so violated by it and they hated the experience so much that they will do everything that they can do to run the other way. And then, so I remember this one guy, he was abused by his brother and, and it was violent. Like he would be pushed down to the ground, he would be pinned down, he couldn't move. And, right. and so it wasn't just sexual abuse, but it was aggressive. And, he, through his teen years, he started being very, very promiscuous with girls. And he said, I was just on this constant pursuit of proving my manliness to myself and to those around me. Right. Um, proving my manliness, proving that I was tough, proving that I was into women. And it's because he went the exact opposite direction of his abuse. And so when we talked about the fantasies that he had, this was 25, 25 years after the abuse. and. Mm-hmm. And I asked him about the fantasies, like, what, what are the things that go on in your head? And he just broke down and he started weeping, like, like snot and tears to the ground, like weeping. And, and he said, I've never told anybody this. And, and he said, it's, it's, I'm ashamed of it. Like, it's violent and people are pinned down to bed and mm-hmm. it's aggressive. And I said, brother, that was exactly what happened to you 25 years ago. And he just started weeping more. And, and so I said to him, that's not your identity. 
that's a result of, of what happened to you. It's a wound that God wants to heal. And so sexually speaking, we either run far away from what happened or we, we repeat the behavior, unfortunately. Right. But even apart from sexual behavior, there's just, uh, people are short, right? Like they, there's a, there's a rage or there's a, there's a inclination towards violence a lot of times. Um, there's a, there's a victim mentality when you think that, where you think that everybody is against you. And it, the, the sad thing with this is that people just start thinking like, this is just who I am. Like I'm just an angry person. My family just knows that I have rage. But when you can go back to where it started and you can heal from these things, it, that's the cool thing is that it really transforms a person in, in their entire life. So there's a, there's a lot of different ways that people are impacted. For sure, lots of sexual confusion, but also obviously with the emotional turmoil and the response from that too. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I think that people also turn to or develop addictive behaviors and, you know, when we think of addictions, um, we sometimes minimize it to or reduce it down to alcohol and drugs. Um, but there, yeah. are, there are a whole lot of other things that we attach, uh, that we get attached to and, and get uh, drawn down this path of despair. Um, I mean, some, some folks could be having a, an addiction to, to, to their work or to the food that they eat or, or the... Um, that's right. You know, so there, there's a, a long list, again, of addictive behavior that can be embraced um, as a result of these traumatic experiences. A hundred percent. And really, when you boil down addiction, what it is, is it's a desire to escape from reality. Mm -hmm. It's an, a desire to numb out. Mm -hmm. And when you're abused, especially as a young person, when your brain is in the developmental stages, you, you're, you're kind of trained or your brain is developed in this way to escape and to numb out because the pain of your reality is so great that you don't know how to handle it. Often people who are abused, they don't tell anybody either through their own shame, thinking it's their fault or they're manipulated by the abuser saying that they're not allowed to tell anyone. And so they're, they're never trained or taught in how to handle these emotionally hard times in their lives. And so we grow up and, and people are, you know, any age, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, whatever. And there's, there's this pattern of escaping hardship and going into whatever the vice is as you talked about. And so when a lot of times I'll, I'll just highlight to people that one of the saddest things about addiction or the lack of healing from trauma is that people can be older in age, but their emotional maturity and their spiritual maturity is is, is at such a young age. They're so immature in the way that they handle emotions and even in their spiritual maturity in their life. So when, when they can get healed from this stuff, I mean, they, it can be restored and God can do it um, fairly quickly, um, at least in terms of if you've struggled with, with abuse for 40 years, it doesn't need to take 40 years in order to get healed. God can do it quicker than that. But, but that is a reality that when we just constantly are escaping into things, even if it's not a sinful thing if you're escaping into work um, or whatever it is it, it, it does lead to a lack of emotional and spiritual development mm -hmm. I think we can also become addicted to the to the actual feeling of despair um, in and of itself and, and just keep on holding on to that because 
Addictions rob us of our freedom. You know, we know that Jesus died to set us free, but somehow something can get in the way. And we, we, we attach, our desires get attached to wrong things. I mean, I believe that our desires, our purest desires are a gift from God. Um, but however, yeah. there are sometimes things happen to us and our, uh, our innermost desires get nailed to, to other, attached to, to some ungodly ideas and behaviors. And, and you know, that we know that the enemy of our well-being has come to, to rob, kill, and destroy. So, um, yeah. you know, addictions rob us of our freedom. And, and, you know, I, sometimes I, I, I hear people's stories about being sexually abused as a child. And like you said, carrying this burden for 30 and 40 years. And even, attend, even being involved in therapy and never, seem, never being able to be um, set free from the, the, this lack of freedom from this traumatic experience. So, yeah. so um, your, your, your group, you also specialize or you have a great focus on um, um, people turning to pornography. And, and can you talk about how, how this is, um, I watched on your website, I watched a testimony of a young, of a couple who, who expressed that they found um, liberation and freedom from, um, from the, the um, uh, one second, the, the bondage to pornography. So, yeah. so um, can you talk about that a little bit, how, how your ministry serves couples that are, are experiencing um, addictive behaviors when it comes to pornography? Sure, yeah. I mean, primarily we work with men, and then we have various women's ministries that we that we point wives to, and it's important to to do it from both sides because when one person has a has a struggle with um, with addiction, and it could be the wife who struggles with porn, and, and the husband doesn't, that happens too, or it could be both of them who struggle with porn. But no matter what it is, it has to be a, a scenario where both of spouses pursue healing and um, healing and, and, and new communication, new setting boundaries, things like that in the marriage. And, and some wives, and I say it in this dynamic with the husband struggling with porn and the wife having to deal with it just because that's what we deal with mostly. But some some wives will say, like, I don't, I don't want to do the work. Like, I, he needs counseling. I don't need counseling. I didn't do this. And, and I just like to encourage couples that when two become one, and one of you has a has a problem. It's a marriage problem. Right. <laughs> it's not just his problem or her problem. And when there's a betrayal in the marriage, there's a there's a real factor of hurt and of having and lack of trust and the, all these things that come up in the in the life or the heart of the betrayed spouse. And so it has to be a scenario where both couples are pursuing greater heart health, um, a renewing of the mind, a new way to pursue intimacy in marriage and with the Lord. And so we work, we work, and we encourage people to do it this way. We work individually at first with with the man, and then we send the woman to uh, to one of various places for help, various ministries. And and in time, we encourage them to get some counsel together, whether that's with us or someone else. 
But what happens a lot of times when couples are trying to do it together, they go to marriage couples counseling right off the hop. I, I don't think that's the worst. I think the worst is doing nothing. I think it's better than than doing nothing for sure. But when you're trying to you're trying to work on communication and you're trying to understand each other, but you have all of this trauma and these insecurities that are now at the forefront um, of your of your thinking. It's really it's it, it hinders the the relational intimacy when we are so unhealthy individually in our heart, and so we want to work with individuals to get them to a place of health. And throughout that whole process, they'll still be communicating with each other, of course, about their own journeys. Um, but we see it just kind of naturally play out where marriages just kind of naturally get better when each person is doing the work. Um, what doesn't go well is when one person does the work, whether it's the, the offending spouse or the betrayed spouse. When only one of them does the work to get healthy, the, the, that person can be healthy, but the marriage, it still struggles. And so it's an important thing. And how do we do it? There's, a, there's, there's various things, of course, to be worked on with people, but ultimately it comes down to... Uh, one verse that I love is Proverbs 4.23. It says to guard your heart with vigilance or with all diligence for everything that you do flows from it. And so we need to look at what are the beliefs in our hearts? Like, what do we believe about ourselves? One guy yesterday was saying to me he's gone outside of his marriage and sexually and had a pretty promiscuous lifestyle all, all the while being a Christian. And he just said, I just have believed since I was a kid that I was a bad kid, that I'm destined to screw up. And there's reasons for that. So when we can look at the beliefs that are behind the behavior, and you can start to heal from certain memories that establish these beliefs, um, that it's really transformative. And so we focus not simply on, hey, let's quit this sin, or let's get this sin out of your life. That's, of course, part of it. But we focus on what's the underlying belief or the heart posture that has led to this and let's heal from that because not only does that lead to healing and, and freedom from the sin, it leads to just a more peaceful, joyful heart and, and a lot of these guys that we work with, they find purpose and then starting a ministry or starting a business or just not even vocationally, just meeting with people more and, and, and sharing about God's grace on their own life. And, and we see the impact kind of multiplying that way, so it's pretty cool. So I, um, I believe I, when I was looking at your website and I was listening to a testimony, I, I, it was mentioned in some sort of boot camp or retreat, I guess. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I think <laughs> I think the boot camp that he referenced was it was an online course that okay. he went through. Okay. Yeah, and so since since uh, COVID, we've gone online. Right. Um, we're starting to do more offline things, but it's, it's conferences at various churches around North America, and so we're we're doing that. Um, but we don't have a, a set like an intensive or a boot camp or anything that's in person at this point. We we have a lot of we. I mean, we've had we've reached people in 120 countries. Praise the Lord! It's pretty cool, and so. I, I look at that and I'm like, man, I just I work from home and all of our leaders we work from home and the message has gone out. So we do everything online. Mm-hmm. But what we have is a it's a pretty intense 
process that takes a year. So we have a, a, a video series that people go through where there's work that's associated with each video. And then we do group coaching and, and there's an option for people to get one-on-one coaching as well. Mm-hmm. And we, so there's a big emphasis on community in the process where you're going through this journey of healing, of setting new boundaries in your life, of learning your identity in Christ and experiencing the love of our Heavenly Father in these dark areas of your life, but you're doing it in community the entire time. And so that's the main thing that we offer right now. And we're coming up with new courses and ministries and obviously I guess they're doing in-person events as churches reach out. That's about what we're doing right now. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it would be a good thing to... um for those young folks who are in being prepared to get married, <laughs> to have these conversations, um, yes. you know, in some in pre-marriage counseling to, to let these things come out before they actually, you know, commit to being married, you know, better it come, oh, better it come out ahead of the game as opposed to later on. No, oh, it's so important. I mean, I remember I had this one friend, and this was before I was doing this ministry, but but I had this one friend, he dated this girl for four years, and after he got married, it was probably only a couple months after his wedding, I asked him if he had ever told her about his porn use, and he said that he never had, mm-hmm. and I, I kind of lost touch with him, but when I started this ministry, he came to the first event that I ever did, he had been married about six years at that point, and he hugged me after and the reason he hugged me was because he was crying and he wanted to whisper into my ear and he said like look at what you're doing you struggled with porn too and look at what you're doing compared to look at what i'm doing i almost lost my marriage because my wife found out what i was doing and that i was texting girls and and i just think oh man imagine if you had told her when you started dating and you could work on it you could get free of it and deal with it then Mm-hmm. And it's still a problem. I mean, they've been probably 15 years married, and it's still an issue, which is so sad. But on the flip side, I do have these young guys that you're talking about that are engaged or newly dating somebody, and they say to me, what do I do? Like, how do I talk to her about it? And and one guy said to me, I remember, he's like, oh, it's going to be awkward. I said, yeah, I feel like it's going to be awkward. That's what it is. It's never not going to be awkward. But... But I, I encourage them that what's going to happen is that you're going to see what kind of person you're dating. Can you be open with them about your mistakes? Are they a person of grace? Uh, or do they hold you to a high standard or are they okay with them in your life? Um, do you feel comfortable being open with them? If, if what you've done with pornography or past sexual endeavors or whatever, when you confess that, does that make them insecure? Well, then you know about their insecurities and do you want to grow with them in that or... Or are they not the person for you? And so there's so many benefits mm-hmm. to getting it out early in your dating relationship. And if you're listening and you haven't yet, I just encourage you to do it right away. Um, when I was dating, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go more than a month of knowing the person um, before, or at least dating the person before telling them everything that I had done. Cause I just felt like it was dishonoring to have them be in a relationship with me where they didn't know my my worst stuff. And so I wanted to honor them in that way. And then thankfully I could see that, especially with my wife, she's like, yeah, okay, let's, let's talk this through and let's just stick together. So. 
So let me ask you a question now. If um, there's someone listening who, in fact, is a person who has never healed from damaging sexual abuse at some point in their life, or um, the man or woman who's in need of freedom from addictive behaviors, how can they reach out and contact your ministry? Yeah, so they can go to restoredministries.ca. All of the info is there. You can you can book a call with somebody. Uh, right on the homepage, there's a button to book a call, and so you can chat. Um, some people say, hey, that's a lot of labor on your guys' end to always be offering calls. And, and we just say, yeah, but with what we're dealing with, people need to feel comfortable and, and feel safe. And so we like having that human interaction available for people. So. You can for sure go there. You can find us on Instagram at Restored Sexuality um, and send a DM. Lots of people are sending DMs out there. And we also have a Pure Victory podcast, which is on every podcast app. And uh, and people listen in from all around the world. And, and it's, a, it's a cool place where people can listen anonymously. And if they don't want to come out and share their struggle with anybody yet, then they can at least get some, get some uh, teaching on it there. And I just encourage people to, though, reach out to us, I mean, or somebody. I mean, it's important because Scripture says there's a safety in having a multitude of counselors. So we need to have that safety in our life of having people. But more than that, be open in prayer and be willing to go to the Lord and say, hey, there was this memory of this thing that happened to me, and I don't know what to do with it. Or I believe that I'm worthless, or I believe that I'm no good or that I'm just an, an object to people but what do you say about me and when we can bring these dark things and these wrong beliefs and these memories to the Lord in prayer he starts to do this healing work that's so transformative and so I encourage people to reach out to our ministry um, but I also encourage you to reach out to the Lord in prayer and if you reach out to us first we're going to help you do that in your times with the Lord Amen. Matt I want to thank you for coming on today um, again, Matt is the founder and the director of Restored Ministries, and you, you've heard what, how he uh, is looking to sit with people and accompany them along their road of transformative healing. Um, I would encourage you, if you're listening and you're, this is part of your lived experience, that you reach out to Matt's ministry, Restored Ministries, all over social media. And uh, Matt, again, thank you for coming on. This is a good place for us to rest and perhaps we'll come back and do a part two someday. So, uh, you know, I want to thank Matt for, for being faithful to the ministry. Matt, how long have you guys been doing this now? Uh, Restored has been just over six years, and I've been personally speaking about this stuff for just about 10 years now. And you, you said that you've, you've, you're reaching people in, did you say, 120 different um, countries? Yeah, I just looked. I just looked at a week or two ago at our at our stats, and and yeah, with 120 countries, we've had listeners and, and people in programs and stuff like that. So it just keeps growing, which is which is pretty cool. So from that alone, people, anybody who's listening should know first and foremost that they're not alone in this struggle. They're not That's alone right. on the journey. It's it's very common that people are. Um, they experience some sort of abuse or trauma in their lives. And, and it's also very common that people suffer in silence. But today you're hearing of a, of a resource, a resource that can help you get on the trajectory towards healing and wholeness and not continuing 
um, to live a life of isolation and shame and secrecy. So, Matt, thanks for coming on. God bless you. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Faith Talk, and I would encourage you to uh, go to the website at www.reverendjstuartglover.com where you can sign up uh, to be a recipient on the mailing list. You can register as a guest for an upcoming episode. Once again, thank you, Matt, and God bless you. Thank you so much.